Well, good morning and welcome to The Orchard. We are so glad you are with us today, whether you are here in the house, joining us online or listening on podcast. I'll say this, today is a very unique day in The Orchard's history. We're going to do something very new today that I think, um, I hope, you're all going to be on board with. And if not, you can talk to 80 other pastors on staff. They would love to hear it. Um, okay, it's, it's Christmas, and so we are in the advent of Christmas. And during Christmas Advent today, we're going to talk about the quality of love. Now, love is something that, that we talk about a lot in churches. It's a common topic, but, but it's one that can't be overstated. And we're going to look at why. We're going to be challenged in some ways, to, in, in some love, in some new ways. You know, one of the Greek words for love is agape. You may have heard of that before. Agape is the big, highest form of love, the unconditional love of God the Father for each of you. It's that love that doesn't stop loving when someone makes bad choices. Agape is that love that doesn't give second chances. It gives a hundredth chances, two hundredth chances, chance after chance. It is God's love for us. It forgives for the hundredth time. It was created by God. He's the author of agape. Agape is mentioned 253 times in the New Testament. Of those references, 116 of agape are a noun. That means 137 of the agape references are a verb. Love in substance, but love in action. And that's what we're going to look at today. Agape as a substance, but also agape in action and what that means for us. Now, the Bible holds love very highly. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But here's the bottom line. We don't need to know that love's important. I mean, you come in here, a preacher go, we're going to talk about love. Well, okay. Like, that's pretty common. We know love is needed. We, we crave love. We give love. But despite our knowledge, despite our experience with love, we often forget how easy it is to not be loving. Like, we know about love in some ways, but what about being loving? This may resonate with some of you. Like, we, we understand the noun of love while some of us neglect the verb of love to those around us. And this is the very thing that myself and the Orchard Leadership Team, the elders have been discussing and looking at. Um, how do we as a church um, continue to raise the water level of the substance of love, but also put love people into action tangibly, tangibly and practically in the region around, around us? I mean, here's, the, here's what I've realized. Uh, Orchard, we can't just have love God, love people on our t-shirts. We, we cannot afford to just wear a t-shirt that says, yep, love God and love people. We can't just say, hey, I, I love, I do love people, but, but not act on it. We should be acting on love in our communities. And if this is your first week with us, or if you've been with us for a long time, I want to remind you of uh, something. Uh, our, our Orchard vision is love God, love people. But it's not just a banner, it's not just a t-shirt, not just a vision, it's the DNA of who we want to be. And it sounds easy enough, like, right? I love God, and I love people. I love tacos. Like, I mean, like, love is easy to do, right? Like, <laughs> but is it easy? How easy is it? We're going to look at the book of Matthew. Jesus was preaching, and, and the crowds were amazed by his words. He, was, he, he teached in such a way that people would just flock to see him. 
But there were those present at this, in this moment who were not amazed by him, were not impressed. He was a threat to them. They were the religious leaders and they holded a stranglehold on the people. They, they held the power of the religion over the people and they were not happy that this revolutionary rabbi was preaching some gospel where the people didn't need the regulations. Hmm. So they got together. They came up with a plan on how to discredit Jesus and end his ministry. Matthew twenty two thirty five. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with a question. Now, when somebody is an expert in the law, that doesn't make them a lawyer, okay? Let's not get this confused. Back then, the law is the Old Testament and all their oral traditions and regulations, all the law they had placed on top of it. That was the law, the Tanakh, the Old Te- Hebrew Old Testament, and all the laws they had placed on there. This guy has spent his entire life, in their culture, children learned to read by starting with the Torah. It was their textbook. It was, what they, it was part of their culture. And so this gentleman had learned to read. He had, learned to st- he had studied his whole life the Hebrew Old Testament. And in fact, if he's an expert on the law, he has it memorized. Every single word of it memorized. And there's no numbers like, you know, Genesis 1, 17. No, 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 no. He just has it memorized. They have these classes where the rabbi would begin a verse and the student had to continue it. Anywhere in the Old Testament. And so he was an expert in this. He had spent his life studying this. And this is the LeBron James of Old Testament. He can dunk on anybody in a theological debate and he walks up to Jesus for a showdown. And the drama's thick because if he can somehow trap or get Jesus to give the wrong answer in front of all these people, that's why they do it publicly, then the people will have to leave Jesus. They discredit his whole ministry. He steps forward. Verse 36, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now that's a simple question. What's the greatest? Jesus, in all the Bible, that's their Old Testament, in all the Old Testament, what's the greatest commandment? Like just, just one. Which one is the greatest commandment in all of the law? This would be like asking a police officer, like which, which law is the most important? Well, it depends on which one you're about to break. You know, <laughs> depends on context and circumstance and all those things. Of all the commandments, which one is the most important, Jesus? Now, now this morning, if I were to ask you how many commandments there are, many of you would say, well, there's 10. 10 commandments, Right? Moses downloaded them from the cloud to his tablet. That's what he did. But, but can you name, can you name the Ten Commandments? My, my grandmother taught me it's don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, or date girls that do. That was the, <laughs> she, told, she told me that. Now we know the Ten Commandments, but did you know in the Old Testament there's 613 other commandments other regulations, other things. So 10, 613, and then, I mean, they would add on all these other ones. So there were commandments in there, like from the Bible, how to cut your sides of your hair, not to put two kinds of cloth together. And then they added all these other ones on top, like how far to walk on the Sabbath. Uh, just commandments that would just pile up and pile up. So by the time they asked Jesus this question, there's thousands to choose from. Thousands. Now, this practice of adding spiritual regulations on top of God's truth, you know, we look, we, how can they do that? We love to do this. We still do this. Don't wear your hat in church. Don't do that. Don't do this. And in fact, I looked up some things, and he, this, these are some laws, actual laws in America that are about church. In Mississippi, private citizens may personally arrest any person that disturbs a church service. <laughs> Bring your toddler to church, I dare you. <laughs> we'll cuff that baby. 
You know, joking aside, more sobering, Nicholas County, West Virginia says, no matter, no, sorry, no member of the clergy is allowed to tell jokes or humorous stories from the pulpit during a church service. I take that very seriously this morning. Another rule that's unwritten, but in the South, uh, two Baptists are not allowed to re- recognize each other in a liquor store. <laughs> see, we, see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have all these laws and regulations, and you have them. The music needs to be this kind of music, these old songs, these new songs. This, we have so many regulations that we've placed on this. God gave us commands, but we can't help putting rules on it. So when the religious expert says, which is the greatest commandment, he's setting up this trap to discredit Jesus. I love this moment. You've you got to put yourself in it. A dry Middle Eastern hot day out there, and there's, there's crowds of people who gather together from all walks of life. They want to hear Jesus teach. They want to hear his teachings. And over here, there's this group of religious leaders who, who are discussing with one another. Who, like, who's going to do it? Okay, yeah, you, oh, you got the question? Okay. He steps forward. And suddenly, the temperature changes because one of the most powerful people in their culture is approaching this revolutionary rabbi. The people would immediately catch the drama as he's interrupting his, his, Jesus' is speaking to, to, to do something. The disciples would immediately take notice and be nervous because Jesus is about to have a showdown with, with one of the most powerful people in their culture. The wise and expert, he steps forward. Everything goes quiet, tense. He looks Jesus in the eye, clears his throat, and Jesus which is the greatest commandment in all the law. I love the drama of this moment, but, but here's what's interesting. While so many people are nervous and there's so much on the line, what we actually have going on here is a human being who studied an ancient book and text since childhood approaching the divine God who authored it with the question, that Jesus is the word. I mean, he, like a, he's testing the author on his own word. It must have been a bit amusing from God's point of view, but the question is a worthy question. What is the most important commandment that we should follow in this word? Which of the, which of the 10? Which of the 613? Which of the ones added on top? And, and Jesus doesn't flinch in his answer. Verse 37, he replied, which commandment is the greatest? <laughs> this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest of commandments. Love God with all that you are. Most important commandment in the Bible. Put God first above all things. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, how simple is that? And how difficult is that? But he continues. And the second is is like it. Love people as yourself. He goes on to tell them that the entire law, the law this expert has, the entire law is summed up, is summed up in these two things. Love God and love people. At the orchard, we take Jesus at his word. At the orchard, we take him at his word on these kinds of things. Love God and love people is our DNA. It's who we are. And we want to love people the way Jesus did. What does that mean? It means no matter their affiliation, orientation, connection, or persuasion. No matter their background or future or income or political party or what they post on social media. That you love people period, no asterisks. Now, listen, hear me on this. Loving people does not mean you have to endorse or support their choices and decisions. 
It doesn't mean you have to embrace their lifestyle or sin. But the Bible is very clear. When it comes to the question of, should I love those people who are acting that way, voting that way, behaving that way, doing those things, should I love them? The Bible gives you zero wiggle room on if you should love them. Love God. Love people. No asterisks. The fact that these are the greatest commandments and to sum up the entire Bible is good news. Any of you confused about what Christianity may or may not be from your past experiences or assuming you have to adjust to, to, to do certain things or act a certain way or whatever you might think you have to do, Jesus makes it clear that these are the two greatest commandments. Love God and love people. You don't need 613 other commands. You don't need thousands of other man-made things. No, there's freedom in this. Love is central to the Bible because Jesus is central to the Bible and God's heart. 1 John 4, 8 says this, God is love. He is love. It's not his hobby. It's not just in his book to get likes. No, no, he is love. Love comes from him. He's the origin. He's the author. He's the founder of love. And we were called to love him with all of our heart, that he'd be our greatest affection in life. With all of our soul, the deepest part of who we are, with our mind, with what we think, with our strength. And with your strength, that means the resources of your life, from your personality to your leadership to, to, your, to your, your finances, that you would love God with the strength of your whole life. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. A truly holistic and encompassing love that my whole life loves God and is his. And then therefore I love people. So how are we doing with this? I don't compare myself to others when it comes to how am I doing. Instead, what we're called to do is model ourselves after someone. Not compare yourself to someone. Model yourself. Model our lives after the way Jesus lived. Because here's the deal. If God is love and Jesus is God in the flesh, then we learn to live and love from Jesus. We take his model in the gospels and how he loved, how he lived. That's how we are to love others. How did Jesus love? He loved sacrificially. He loved practically, in practical ways. He loved authentically. He loved his family even when they turned their back on him. He loved his friends even when they betrayed him. He loved his followers even when they deserted him. He loved his enemies even when they tortured them. He hung there on a cross with nails in his hand and loved and prayed forgiveness for the people who put them there. Jesus' love isn't nice. It's not sweet, it is courageous, it's robust, it's bold, it's daring. His love is, is, is greater than anything we can fathom. And so we don't want to be a nice, sweet, loving people. We want to be an audaciously loving people, a daring, a bold loving people. Jesus, is, his love was generous. Jesus loved in a way that impacted the people around him. Jesus had the noun of love of substance within him, but he put the verb of love into action. And we, followers of Jesus, we're called to love Jesus generously. We are to love in such a way that is impacts others around us. We're called to love in such a way that not just we have the substance of it, but we put it into action, which leads me to what we're going to talk about this big announcement today. Because how does a church, this is what we've been wrestling with, how does a church authentically and practically and truly love people around them in the region? How do we show them? There's many ways. We've investigated many ways. We're going to do a lot of different things. And you're out there doing many things. But there's one way in particular we're going to do that this month of December. 
As a church, uh, we have, we, here's one thing we do. We generously support missionaries overseas. We've done this for decades, sending money overseas to, to impact people who will never meet. We support uh, local churches as in Vanuatu. They call themselves Orchard Vanuatu, and they have the t-shirts down there in the islands, and, and, and we, we, we send them support. We have a team of people every month who get funds and who they pray about where to send money internationally and nationally based on the needs we have. All that is good and all that is worthy, and we're going to continue to do that. But for the past year, something has been growing and burning inside of me that I haven't been able to, 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 to get off my mind and my heart. It, it's good to send aid to the ends of the earth and love people, but we have got to step up by loving people in our own neighborhoods, in our own region, in Carbondale, to Aspen, to Rifle, to Redstone. We need to be a church of people who are known in this region, in this area, in our hometowns, that we walk the talk, that we are who we say we are, that we behave the way we say our Savior behaved. I want us, the Orchard, to plant a banner in our community that declares we are the redemptive center in this region. We should be known as God's people. We should be known for our love. He says that. So myself and the leadership elder board began looking at ways to, to, to make some significant changes in the lives of people around us. And we pursued um, paying off medical debt for those under the poverty line but ran into so many roadblocks and red tape. So we discussed other ways. What can we do to, to, to love people in action and tangibly, practically let them know we, we're here? We prayed and we listened and we believe that God has led us to a generosity project that will truly help people know that God sees them, God loves them, and that you know what? The orchard loves them as well. So we discussed, what if we, what if we bought uh, grocery store gift certificates and handed them out the whole month of December? Now that's good. That's a good start. I mean, everyone needs food, right? And everyone needs money for food. And so any money saved on feeding your family goes directly toward whatever else you want in the month of December, holidays or needs. So we began to set money aside. And, and based on your generosity, and we, we kept expenses down, we, we, we put some money aside for this generosity project. How much? Like how much? You know, it, we, this is just a start, what we're doing today. But what amount would really help? What amount would actually, I wanted an amount that would stretch us. So we're going to start this first time with $50,000. God began to move, and soon, talking to like-minded people who heard this and said, I like that. I'll cover it. So we ordered $50,000 in gift cards to local grocery stores to be handed out the entire month of December. Uh, and I had my first go with this. I wanted to, to, to go try it out to see how this goes. And here's what I'll tell you. It's... it's greater than you think, and it's harder in some ways than you might think. I went to the store, and um, there's, there's a few th rules I have for myself. Is one, um, I, I want, here, here's what I want. I want God to lead it. So God, you show me who to give this to. I, 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 know, I know some people, hey, they would like this. They could appreciate this. They could use it. But God, who, who do you see that I don't see? So I went to City Market, where, and there's hundreds of people there. And I'm like, God, you tell me who. And before I even got in, there was this couple in their car over here, and I, I walked over to them, and I, I felt God just, just a little prompt that one, okay. And it's a break of social contract to approach people and say, hey, I have something for you. There's some awkwardness. They, they thought I was trying to sell them something. They just kept going, nope. There was some language barrier there, and they're like, sorry, sorry. I'm like, no. And I finally just go, I showed them the money amount, dollar amount. I said, I'm going to give this to you. And they went, 
Are you sure? I said, yes. And I said, I- I'm part of the Orchard Church and we're just blessing people this month and, and I-, I just want to give this to you. And God bless you and Merry Christmas. And he didn't know what to think and he slowly took it and looked at it and he goes, this works here? And I go, yeah. He goes, and she just started crying. I gave me a big hug. And he finally, he goes, he goes Are you, thank you. And then as I walked away, he goes, no one's given me nothing before. <laughs> and I say, God has now. And he, he couldn't believe, I walked in. And as I'm walking around, you know, again, there's hundreds of people in there. And just, I felt nothing, nothing, nothing. And finally, at the end of an aisle, I, there was somebody, I just felt God say that person. So I, I walk all the way down the aisle. And I get closer, I see this. This is elderly, um, elderly woman. And in her basket was just the barest of essentials. And um, not much in the barest of essentials. And I would not have, you know, I, would, I, I, didn't, I didn't choose one. I didn't choose her. God said, go. And I get up to her and I go, um, the Orchard Church wants you to have this and know that God loves you and God sees you. And I, I gave it to her and she goes, I don't understand. And I said, this is just from God, from our church to you. And she looked at it and she, she just said, thank you so much. And uh, I'm just so glad that the God is involved in this because God wants to lead us to people um, who he sees, who he knows. Then, so then I took my, my, my family and I gave each of my kids and my wife one. Um, and my children, introversion it runs in my family. And so I wanted to see how this would go because, you know, my elders said, uh, not everybody's like you. So this will be difficult for some of us. And so um, I gave my, my son and my daughter one. And they, we've done things like this before. So they have some muscle there, but... But um, I told him, I said, when you, when God tells you and you know, then you know. And so my son, we're walking around and five minutes in, we passed a bunch of people. He goes, that's it. That's who it is. And he walks up and he goes, this is for you. And then, then I stepped in and kind of helped her understand what was happening. And we walked around for another seven minutes passing hundreds of people until my daughter finally saw someone in the frozen food section. And she walks up and she's a seven-year-old sailor goes, God told me to give this to you. <laughs> and this woman, her eyes get wide. I mean, you don't argue with a seven-year-old on a mission from God. You know? She goes, are you sure? And she goes, I'm sure. And she takes it and she goes, oh, thank you. And then she looks at me and I go, yeah, it's the Orchard Church and we're just blessing people. And um, I said, uh, she goes, well, what if I don't need this? And this was my favorite part because as elders, we talked about this. Some of us will be led to, to give this card to someone and they won't need it. And you go, you know what? I bet you know someone who does. And then they get to go be a part of the blessing. And so I said, I said, you, if you don't, I said, it's your card. You go do with it and you give to anyone. She, she goes, thank you. I will. And she, the, the, the stories have been amazing already. And so as staff and elders, we're going to give away $50,000 uh, to people this month all, all over the area. But, but Orchard, as, as obviously as we prayed through this, I didn't just want the staff and elders to do this. We want you to be a part of it. And so, for the first time in the history of the orchard, since I've been lead pastor, we're going to do something that churches do every Sunday. We're going to pass a plate. We're going to pass a plate, and you'll laugh at this. I've never done this before. We're going to pass an offering plate. I actually had to make some calls to see what's the best way. You know, front to back, back to front, you know, ushers. We don't even have ushers. I had to go like, I had to go like, will you be an usher? He goes, what do I ush? I was like, (laughs) man, we are disorganized religion. We are... We don't pass a plate. And we, we, had to, we were going to call a church and borrow plates, but instead Stacy went and just bought some boxes. And so, so here's what's going to happen. Um, we're going to pass the plate today, but instead of you putting money in, we're going to do a reverse offering. It's going to be full of gift cards. I want every single youth, kid, 
parent to take one. You're going to have your gift card. And, and here's, here's the deal. $50 to City Market. And, it's not, and here's, here's the deal. It's not for you. I want to be very clear on this. It's not for you. <laughs> if, but hear my, hear my heart. If you need it, if you need this, you email me. I got you. If you need it, you come talk to me. We got you. But the one we're going to hand out today, this is for you to step into the generosity project. Another thing I want you to think is as soon as you found that you're going to get a card, you go, I know exactly who needs it. Now, that person might need it, but that person might need you to go buy them one and be a part of your personal ministry to them. This one right here, I want us to do a few things a little bit differently. I want you to try to take this card with you somewhere. Mall, just as you're out doing life, whatever, whatever it is you go, whatever you do, library, store. And, and here's the thing. God knows who needs it. And so you ask him, God, will you just give me that little prompt when I see the person that I go give it to him? Here's the deal. You might meet a sweet elderly lady who really needs it. It might lead you to a woman who, with tears in her eyes, says, can I give this to somebody else? God might lead you to the most unlikely person that you would never have chosen, but he sees them, and he wanted you to sit, stand face-to-face, -face. and that's why we wanted to do this, is that, is that you're going to be face-to-face, eye-to-eye with somebody, say, God bless you. I want you to hear that prompt in your heart and act on it. Now, one of my friends asked, he said, like, like, he says, what's the accountability on this, and what do I report? Like, do I bring back receipts? Now, here's, what's the accountability? It's between you and God. You, you take it, it's, it's, it's up to you. And, and, and what do you bring back? What do you come back and report? Here's what I want. I want stories. I want stories. Even if you go, oh man, this is a terrible one. They threw it back in my face. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear everything, how, how it happens. So that's what you're required to report is, is stories. And this is why I have an orchard card here in your seat. It's just a blank orchard card, nothing special about it. But here's the reason why. What I realized in doing this is that when you walk up to somebody, there's enough adrenaline and maybe some nerves and you're talking and they're, they're getting it and they're receiving it. And, and by the time you leave, um, you might not have known what you said and they might not have known what you said. And so it can, also it helps them. Um, I was talking to some of my intro, more introverted friends. It helps them to go, um, Merry Christmas from our church. I mean, or you can do what Selah said, this is from God. <laughs> but, but, but this right here just like gives them something tangible to hang on to that says, this is who this is from. Because I want people to know that we love them. And, and, and I'm getting way off. I'm starting to preach here. Okay. Um, I want you to get your family in on it. Get your kids in on it. I want you to get some muscle in this area. I want you to be willing to risk a little bit. Um, and then I want you to, I want to challenge you to step out and do this. And I want you to show back up next week and, and uh, come tell me a story and I'm going to reload you. Okay. We're, listen, listen, let's infuse all of our areas with the love, tangible love of loving people in this way. Because Orchard, we don't just want to gather together here and, and sing about a generous God and preach about a generous God. We want to go out into our communities and show them how God has made us generous. We want others to know that there are people in this region who gather here who love God and love people, not just in words in this room, but with actions in our communities and in our, our region. Here's the last thing. The risk is up to you and me. The risk of going up and handing somebody 
a gift card. That risk, as much as it is or is not for you, that risk is up to you and me. The results are not up to you and me. We take the risk, he takes the results. Which means that some people will be blessed, some people might turn you down, some people might, might, might be, somebody's gonna be curious, or somebody might end up in that tub a year from now. We don't know what God's gonna do with this, and it's not up to us. We're just to be obedient, step out in faith, and risk. So we take the risk, we leave the results to him. So, I need my ushers. Yes. Remember how we talked, guys. Into the aisle, okay? <laughs> and you'll take this middle one right here. And then this will be the, that's the middle section. And then you take that section. And then just, yeah, yeah, okay. If anybody's been an usher in another church, step, feel free to step up and help us out. <laughs> it's fun to be us. Hey, if you're a guest here with us and you're like, I don't know if I can take this. Hey, take it. Take it. This is your first week ever. Step into it. Have fun. You'll give it away. If you're terrified and you go, I will not talk to anybody. Take it. I mean, at least you can do is just go drop it like some, you know, in front of somebody. Here's my hope, guys. That through us stepping out and loving, people are going to know the love of Christ. So, we're doing our first offering at the orchard. It's a reverse offering. Take a card. If we run out of cards, come see me afterwards. We're good. Like, like we, have, we are definitely stepping into this as an entire church. And what are you required to bring me? Stories. For those of you online, um, email me. I will figure that out, okay? Those listening later on the podcast, I got something for you here if you're here locally. Let me pray for you as we do this. God, as we do this reverse offering and these cards go out and we hold them in our hands, there are people who on the other end who need what we have. And what we have is two things. One, it's monetary. But God, also there's, there's something else too that's a blessing, a love. So I pray that you would guide us. I pray you would prompt us to go find the person that you have this for. And God, if we end up praying for them, talking with them, befriending them, inviting them, or just handing it to them, God, I pray that you would lead us and that your results, we ask for the God that you move the results, we'll take the risk. Amen? Amen. I think that, um, you know, we have a generous God. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, not just to, to die for some of our sins, but to generously die for all of our sin that we have in our life. And so we're gonna stand and sing praise to his name because here's what I know. He is worthy to be praised. Amen? He is, he is generous to a fault. He is obscenely generous in what he's given you and what he's given me. So let's stand, let's sing praises, and uh, let's have him hear our hearts.